Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the Today's message is the directive. The directive is what I want to preach to you this morning. Would you help me pray? Father, we thank you, Lord, for the anointing that I feel in this house today. God, there's a stirring in your people. There is a sense of urgency, God, being created in this place. Lord, a missional movement that moves us toward your plan and will, God. And I'm excited about what you're doing in this place, Lord, what you're doing in the lives of your people. God, stir us up today. As we begin this project, this movement to bring people into the kingdom of God, Lord, let us, let, us, let us just be permeated with your love for them and your mandate to reach them, God. That is the directive that you've given us. And we ask your blessing today in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. The background to our text this morning is uh, Jesus has just come out of the desert and 40 days of fasting, and he has begun his public ministry, and now he is calling his disciples. He has gone through uh, the, the being baptized in water. He comes up. God himself, the Father, confirms his, his uh, anointing upon the Son's life. And now Jesus goes into the desert where he is tempted and tried for 40 days. And now he's come out of the desert, and he is equipped and empowered for what God is going to do. And now he's starting to gather people for his ministry. And so now we find two guys that Jesus picks up along the journey to bring along with him and to disciple them and equip them and to make them his disciples. Matthew 4.18 says this, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me. Follow me. The first thing I want you to understand this morning is the call of God is for the common person. The call of God is for the common person. These are just two brothers, just two average guys hanging out, doing what they do on a daily basis, just fishermen. Just nothing special about them necessarily. They weren't, uh, they weren't spectacular necessarily in any way, shape, or form. They were just two average guys doing two average days, going about their regular routine, and Jesus sees them. He sees potential in them, and he calls them. He asks them to come follow him. These two, he calls. He's not looking for spectacular people to do his ministry and work today, church. Did you hear me this morning? I said he's not looking for spectacular people to do his ministry and work. He's looking for anybody who's available. He's looking for the average person. He's looking for the common man or woman. He's looking for anybody that will say, Okay, God, I, I'm not that spectacular. I don't have that necessarily those great gifts. I don't know how you could possibly use me, but I'm just telling you I'm available, and whatever you choose to do in my life, I'm here, I'm ready, I will follow you, and I will be what you make me into being. The calls for the common person. All across this place, there are probably people sitting in the seats that have disqualified themselves because you don't hold in your repertoire of gifts 
certain talents or certain abilities or certain spectacular uh, giftings that God has given you. But I've come to tell you this morning, it doesn't matter what you have to offer Him. As long as you will offer it to Him, He will use it to advance His kingdom. The power is not in you anyway. It's in your Savior. And it is released through you this morning. The qualifier is for for being a part of his kingdom has nothing to do with who we are. It has to do with who he is and what you believe he can do with you. I'm going to say that to you again. I said the qualifier for being a part of his kingdom has nothing to do with who you are. It has to do with who he is and what you believe that he can do through you. It's your partnership with him that makes it work, that makes you successful, that makes you effective, that makes you uncommon in your life. Scripture tells us that he saw two brothers. I love that terminology just for the simple fact that when I, when I hear that and when I think about it, I think about a master, a, a, a Jesus, who sees me. He knows exactly where you are this morning. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows exactly what you're dealing with. He sees you. There's a lot of people in the world today that feel like they live a life of obscurity and they're just pushed back into the shadows and nobody ever recognizes who they are or what they are, what they have to offer or what they could be in the kingdom of God. But I've come to tell you today that Jesus sees you right where you are. He knows exactly the hurts. He knows exactly the the great times in your life. He knows every aspect of your being. He is a part of your life and He is seeing you right where you are. He saw these brothers. You're not hidden from Him today. You're not hidden from Him today. He knows your life. He knows your struggle. He knows your heart and desires. He sees you and He sees you right where you are. Listen, He not only sees you And sees where you are. He sees your value as a person. He sees your value as his child. He sees you as a partner in his kingdom. He sees your worth this morning. There may not be another person in this universe that sees your worth. But I want you to know today there's a a Jesus who sees your value. There's a Jesus who sees your worth. You may have been told time and time again by a number of people that you don't amount to anything, that you're of no value, that you can't do something. But I've come to tell you today, there's a Jesus who said you were worth dying on the cross for, that you were worth shedding his blood for. And he gave himself, and that expresses the value of what you are to him today. You are valuable He doesn't just see... Listen, church, I think sometimes we get also... It's easy for us to even get jaded toward the Lord because we we may see Him as only using us in His kingdom. That my value to Him is only wrapped up in what I can do for Him. But might I remind you today that Jesus died for us. He says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, while we had yet made a commitment to follow Him, while we had yet lived our life for Him, while we had yet done one single thing for the kingdom of God, He still died for us. And that is the value that He has on us, has placed on us. He loves you and He cares for you. He says to these brothers, will you follow me? Follow me. Will you come on a journey with me? 
Lord, I don't, I don't know what to do. I, I, don't, I don't know, you know, if I have a lot to offer this today, God. I'm not sure how pleased you're going to be with me uh, when you get me. Jesus isn't worried about that. He just simply asks us to follow him. Listen, my anxiety about my abilities can be a great limiter to my acceptance of his invitation. I said my anxiety about my inabilities and my failures, my weaknesses, my, my, my ineptitude can be a great limiter to my acceptance of his invitation. But it's not wrapped up in me. It's wrapped up in him. The wonderful thing about Christ's covenant with us is this, that he puts all of the, he's, the stake is on him. The weight of the covenant is resting upon him. You don't have anything to bring to the table. Jesus had brought everything to the table. And yet even though he brought everything to the table, he still says, I'll make you an equal partner with me in this endeavor. Boy, that ought to move somebody this morning. That Jesus would give you half of heaven when you have nothing to offer him but yourself. Oh, I love that he'll take us and he'll use us. Most of the time, people, I believe, would rather not try than try and fail. I think that most people are inclined to not try rather than to try and fail. And I just encourage you this morning, you're probably going to fail from time to time. Lord, these two guys, if you study out their lives, especially Peter, there's nobody that dropped the ball more than Peter and is shown throughout Scripture. And God still used him throughout and he became a powerful person in the kingdom of God. You're going to fail. But I'm just encouraging you today to try anyway. And God will make up the difference. He will, he will mend the weaknesses and He will help you to overcome failure and move forward in your life. But you've got to try to do something in following Him. I think that this, this comes... This idea that I would rather not try than to try and fail comes from a fundamental misunderstanding of the source of my abilities and performance. If I think that the source of my abilities and my performance rests in me, then I'm going to be afraid to try because I know that I'm, I'm unable to do it on my own. That I am tied in so many ways to failure. But my performance is not dependent upon me but rather depends upon a God working through me. I just have to accept the invitation to follow and continue to follow along the way. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. I love this scripture. It says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. God calls the common man. And he'll use each and every one of us in this place if we'll make ourselves available to him. Matthew 4, 18. It says, And Jesus saw two brothers casting a net into the sea. Second, he will use your common life for a greater cause. He will use your common life for a greater cause. Jesus sees what these men are doing and he says, I can use that. He sees what they're doing and he says, there's something I can use. God has never looked at his people. He's never looked at you as an individual and said, mm, there's nothing I can use there. 
Never. Now, you might want to turn to your neighbor and say, I told you. I told you that I did have value, that, I, that something, something God could use me in some way. He can use that. He sees them. They're already casting a net into the sea. He says, let's just change the net and let's just change the sea and suddenly they are moved to being a part of something that is much greater. These men are fishermen. It's what they know to do. It's what they're already doing. It's what they've grown up knowing. But Jesus says to them, I'm not asking you to become anything different than what you already are. I'm just asking you to think of what you are doing in a different light. Oh, that's good this morning. Listen, he's not asking you to be anything that you're not today. He's not asking you to be anything different than what you already are. Now, I will say, and I will qualify that statement by saying this, you've got to find out who you are in Christ Jesus. You may be under some mis misconceptions about who you are. There may be some, some thinking that needs to be adjusted, but I'm just saying, once we come into the presence of God and we understand who we are in Jesus Christ, He's not asking you to be anything different than what you are. If you're a lawyer, He'll use that for the kingdom. If you're a teacher, He'll use that for the kingdom of God. If you're a mechanic, He'll use that for the kingdom. He'll use what you are and what you do for His purpose. He's just going to ask you to see it perhaps in a different light. He never asked these men to stop being fishermen. And if you look back in Scripture throughout, you'll find various times where they kept on fishing. One time Jesus needed his taxes paid. Peter did too. And so he tells Peter, he says, hey, go out and catch a fish. You're a fisherman, go fish. Catches a fish, coin in the mouth, pays the taxes. He's asked him to be what he is. But he's also asking him to be what he is in a different light. So he wants to use our common life for a greater cause. Jesus is not asking anyone in this place to necessarily change what you are and stop what you do. Listen to me this morning. But what he is asking you to be, he's asking you to be what you are and do what you do with him in mind. He is asking you to be what you are and do what you do with him in mind. That's the only thing different with Peter. He says, go ahead and fish, but I want you to do it now with me in mind. I want you to use your gifts and talents in a way that keeps me central to what you're doing. Here's what Romans says from the Message Bible, and I love this rendering of the text. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Who's helping us? God is helping us. Take your everyday Ordinary life. What is that? Your common life. You're sleeping. You're eating. Going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. He's saying here, take your ordinary common life and use what you are and what you do for the kingdom of God. Because here's what I believe is that you have been strategically placed where you are to advance the kingdom of God. Well, I don't like my job. Well, I understand that. I've had some jobs that I didn't like and I'll just be honest with you, there's days I don't like this one. <laughs> amen. amen. April can say amen to that. There's days that we may not like where we've been planted. But the thing is, God put us here strategically. And I'm here to bloom where I am planted. 
Now that is, uh, that takes into consideration a couple of things that ought to just be uh, constant. So first of all is that I'm planted. I'm planted. God cannot use you if you're constantly moving around all the time. You've got to be in one place where you can be planted and produce. And so if you're looking for a new job every, every two or three weeks, you're not probably being effective in the place that God's planted you. Oh, got to meddling with people's lives right then. If you're jumping around from church to church and you never get planted in at a church, God probably can't use you effectively because you're never in one place long enough to be used. Well, I might as well just go on in if I want to do it, right? Hallelujah. It's true. It's true. It's true. I just say this too, since I'm already waited out here, is that I think that the reason people jump churches a lot is not because they're aggravated really about something going on in the church, but rather they're afraid of the God trying to work in their lives. And they're afraid of what they could be if they really stayed planted and became people that bloomed where they were planted. Now the second thing to that is that we would bloom where we are planted, that we are actually producing fruit where we are. And we don't just look at faithfulness, but rather fruitfulness. Consistency is not enough if it's not producing something that people can actually take of and see a difference in your life. Amen? With the 641 Project, what we're talking about, please understand that no one, God included, is not asking you to walk... I'm not asking you to walk the streets of Burt Burnett. I'm not asking you to walk the streets of Wichita Falls, Iowa Park, uh, Randallette, or any other community in this area. What I'm asking you to do is to be effective where you are right now. You're simply being asked to walk in His purpose right where you already are and to do what God is asking of you right where you are, to leverage the existing relationships that you already have. Leverage the position you already have with people. Use the gifts you already have. Just use them with Him in mind. Matthew 4.19 says, then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. The invitation to follow me is followed by a promise. He says, if you will follow me, I will make you fishers of men. So here's the third thing. He promises to take your common life and make it a greater life. To take your common life and make it a greater life. Do you see that what Jesus is saying to us all is, if you will give me what you are, I will develop you into something greater. I will do the work. All I'm asking for you is to surrender yourself to me and watch how I will develop you in the journey along the way. He says, I will take your everyday ordinary life and I will make it a life that you never dreamed of. I will take what you already are and I will use it with such great effect that you won't believe your eyes. Oh man, I'm ready for some people to start dreaming of what God can do in their life. Of what they could possibly be under the development of a, of a Savior. To put upon, be put upon the master's, the potter's wheel and allow him to mold us and make us into his craftsmanship. Peter, that was a, 
this Peter that was a fisherman casting his net in the Sea of Galilee is the same Peter that only three years from now will be standing on the porch of the temple overlooking a different kind of sea and he will cast his net into that sea and what he will draw will be a different kind of fish. It will be 3,000 people that will give their life to Jesus Christ. A process of development, a process of walking in a journey with God will take an ordinary, average, common, everyday fisherman and turn him into a great preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What can God do with you in three years? What can God do with you in a year? In three months, the sky's the limit. If you were to accept his invitation, what would your life look like after a process of development with Jesus? What could Christ do for you if you chose to follow him and allow him to develop you along the way? Following him, listen to me this morning, following him is more than coming to church and being a good person. Following him is a life pursuit of his purpose. It is a life pursuit of his purpose. Peter and Andrew left what they had and they pursued God. Notice he says in verse 19, he says, I will make you. He does the work, we just submit ourselves to his craftsmanship. Pastor, I don't know how to, you know, you don't know how to what? We don't know how to do a lot of things. I promise you, I don't know how to do everything that I need to do. But I know somebody who does. And if I will commit to spending time with him and letting him speak to me, he will do one of two things. He'll either teach me or he'll bring somebody into my life that can teach me. And he's done it over and over and over again. How did you, I didn't go to Bible school to learn how to do what I'm doing. I went to the school of getting on my knees and asking Jesus to please help me before somebody found out I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> Amen. That's the truth. I'm just being honest with you today. We have this promise in John 14, 26, and it's a beautiful promise that we ought to all hold close to our heart. And it says this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. I love it when God brings something to my mind that I hadn't thought about previously. When something that I learned as a kid, something that I learned years ago, suddenly leaps back onto the forefront of my mind and it's the Holy Spirit bringing to my remembrance something that I need to know in the moment. That's the kind of God we serve. He is your helper today. Matthew 4.20, as I get ready to close. It says, They immediately left their nets and followed him. The last thing I want you to hear today is that serving a greater cause requires uncommon courage. Serving a greater cause requires uncommon courage. The thing that separates common people like Peter and Andrew from the rest of the world is the courage and faith to trust in Jesus. It says in the verse that they immediately left their nets. What faith must they have had to immediately leave what they knew on a regular basis and follow after Jesus and learn to be fishers of men in a different light? What kind of courage does it take for you to break from your normal, ordinary, everyday life and actually use what you are and what you know for Jesus Christ? It takes an uncommon faith. 
It takes an uncommon courage. Because the common thing is for a person to do what they do, get through a day and only think about Jesus on Sunday or when I need something from Him. That's the common thing. The common thing is for me to have my church life and my professional life and never connect the two together. Missing the power of releasing my gifts for a greater cause. I am astonished oftentimes at how many people have a church life and a professional life and they never connect the two together. Use what you are and what you have and what you do on a regular basis. See how that will work in the kingdom of God. We have administrators in this church. You administrate on a regular basis. But I couldn't get you to administrate in this church for nothing. There's a disconnect. Use your talents and gifts for the kingdom. God put you here as a a part of the body so that it could be complete. So don't hold back what you are and what you do. Just use it in a different light with the Savior in mind. The common thing is for me to live mostly for myself and just get through the day. But I believe common people with a common life can live for a great cause if they just can find and express some uncommon courage. What does it take? Verse 20 says this. It says they left their nets. They left the safety of what they have always known to follow the Savior. When I think about the word net, I think of a safety net. A lot of us have some things in this life that's just been a big safety net for us and we don't want to let them go long enough to grab hold of the Savior passing us by. But I'm just saying to you, if you'll let go of some of those things, you'll find that what you grab hold on to is so much greater than anything you ever dreamed possible. He'll take you on a journey that will blow your mind. They let go of things they had confidence in. Their know-how, their human ingenuity, their experiences embraced a journey of faith. That day, Peter and Andrew chose to give up their provision for the provider. They chose to give up their common life for an uncommon one. They chose to surrender their ordinary life into the hands of an extraordinary Savior. They chose to give up being fishermen and become fishers of men. And so what would happen today if we chose to do the same? How would your life change for the better if you also walked in uncommon courage? I want you to watch this this morning. Watch this video clip.
Amen. His call is the same call for us that it was for Peter. And he's given you the opportunity. Would you stand with me this morning? He's given you the opportunity to change your life. To change it. To make it more than what it currently is. To live uncommonly. Today this invitation is to live an uncommon life. What are we going to do, Pastor? We're going to change the world. That's what we're going to do. We may not change the entire globe, but we can change our world. We can change our city. We can change our workplace. We can change our families. What are we going to do? We're going to change the world. And so I'm just giving you an invitation this morning to come on a journey today, to be a part of that. We're going to change this world one soul at a time. The directive from our Lord is very clear. To seek and to save that which is lost. He's given us all the invitation to come and follow Him. And the promise that accompanies that is this. I will make in you a greater purpose. The directive from the Lord is to seek and to save that which is lost. His church is facilitating that directive over the next six weeks through this 641 project. what we're doing. And so I'm asking you to come and go with me in this. I'm asking you to commit to a process that will by, in ways that you cannot even imagine, open the door for salvation in people's lives. You're going to be a part of that. You're going to be a part of that. So will you accept that offer today and follow him? I'm going to ask our ushers to begin to pass out cards. These are our commit cards for 641 Project. And so if you are willing to go with us in this journey over the next six weeks and to simply say, I've, I've got four people that I'm going to focus on over the next six weeks. I'm going to invest in them through acts of love. I'm going to invite them to church. I'm going to pray over them. And I'm just going to believe that God is going to work through their hearts and through my efforts to bring them in. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 945 for Sunday school and at 1030 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burkwinette, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Till I found myself face down on Sure, you say, Come to the